watching The Wireless, a podcast about radio with Jamie Dyer. In this episode, I talk to former BBC journalist Genevieve Hassan about her work in hospital radio and her brand new podcast called Celebrity Catch-Up. Then I talk to Tasmin and Tracy about their new audio drama podcast, Unpolished Little Gems. That's all to come here on the Watching the Wireless podcast with me, Jamie Dyer. And if you'd like to get in contact with us, you can tweet at WatchWireless19 on Twitter or go to the Facebook page, just simply Watching the Wireless. And... As that music fades away, I welcome you once again uh, to a brand new format for the podcast. Um, Something slightly different, uh, simply because I felt like it was time for a change. Time to do something a little bit different. We'd been doing one guest a week for a while and I felt like we were getting a little bit stagnant. So what we've done is uh, I've tried to open up the pool of people available. I've tried to go into different areas and do different things. And today is a great example of that. Because in just a moment, as I just said, you'll hear an interview that I did with Genevieve Hassan about her Celebrity Catch-Up podcast. And podcasting is massive at the moment um, because they have interview podcasts like this one also audio drama podcasts as well like the one that tasmin and tracy do unpolished little gems that's also uh, to come so really widen the pool out and um, talking to a range of different people and hopefully we'll get this um, out once a week for the next Uh, maybe six weeks or so and each show is going to be dead on half an hour because I want to try and establish a format so you'll have two guests talking about two different things um, spread over half an hour weekly got it good this is watching the wireless I'm joined today by former BBC journalist Genevieve Hassan who is here to talk about um, her new ventures, including Hospital Radio and a brand new podcast called Celebrity Catch-Up. We'll be finding out more about that. But first, Genevieve, how did you um, get into just media in the first place? Hi, Jamie. Thanks for having me on your show. Um, so I did a journalism degree at City University. And I think I was quite young when I thought that I wanted to get into into the media, should we say. Um, I started doing work experience when I was 14 at the BBC on Blue Peter, and it was just something that I really wanted to get into. Um, But all the advice I'd had from people about going to university was stay away from media studies degrees. Just don't do them. They're Mickey Mouse degrees. Do something different. So I thought, well, what can I do that's kind of in that realm, but also a bit educational? And I actually did a a joint honours journalism and psychology degree, um, which added that extra bit of educational stuff in it at the same time and I specialized in broadcast journalism and in my second year we did radio and at the time I did work experience with Ian Collins on TalkSport doing his his overnight graveyard shift which is not the most fun time of night to be doing your work experience however it was a genius idea because it meant that I got to get I got to go on air 
which you know how many people when you're on work experience get to go on air on a national radio station that hardly ever happens but because I was it was between 1am and 5am and you know not many people are listening I guess there were less fewer strict controls over, over who was in the building um I got to be on air and it was great and then I left university went straight into joining the BBC I worked in online news so I first started at um news round online remember that that's still <laughs> that's still going on and uh and then I moved to grown-up news uh working on the BBC News website and I worked on the entertainment and arts news desk for just over a decade and was I was one of the duty editors there so my radio experience then went kind of to the other side of the desk where I became the guest having to do kind of like occasional two ways for BBC local radio stations on entertainment news so it's that kind of thing where I remember I did one on when John Sargent was on Strictly Come Dancing and he he quit because everybody kept voting him through because he was so terrible. And, uh, and I had to do like two hours every five minutes doing a local radio hit, talking about the same thing over and over again. And your mouth gets really dry and you're just desperate to not talk about John Sargent anymore. Um, so that was kind of like the, all the radio that I did. And then no more because I was mainly focused on online journalism. But then I recently got back into radio in March when I joined Raw Free Hospital Radio, where I co-host a show every Tuesday afternoon. Um, that goes out across the Royal Free Hospital here in London, as well as Chase Farm and North Middlesex Hospitals. And it also gets broadcast online as well. Um, but it's very different to when I was last in studio in university when it was all CDs and mini discs. Um, there's now the uh, Myriad system is, I mean, like technology, <laughs> technology happened <laughs> since university. And it's all new now. Um, and it's been a steep learning curve. But unfortunately, due to the COVID situation, we haven't been allowed to be in the studio as soon as um kind of lockdown happened end of March it was like sorry you can't be in the studio anymore and so for a few weeks stuff was pre-recorded or so it was automated and played out and then people started um being able to do stuff from home and pre-recording their material but the last couple of weeks we've been back on air my co-host John has been in the studio driving the desk and I've been joining him via Skype which isn't ideal but we are we're making it work I know that there are many people out there that uh, that have forgotten in some ways that hospital radio is still a thing, but it's very important, isn't it? It's hugely important, um, especially at this time when, when early on in the pandemic, um, patients weren't allowed to receive visitors at all. It, hospital radio does bring, it brings comfort and companionship, especially for people who don't get any visitors at all. I mean, it was sad that people couldn't get visitors during the pandemic because they were prevented, but but it's sad that there are people who actually just don't get any visitors because they've got no family or they've got no friends. And that's when hospital radio really comes into its own. We do a magazine show with more chat as personally, I feel it's kind of more valuable than playing a track and saying, you know, well, that was the Carpenters and now we're going to play Queen. You know, I don't feel there's any value in that. Uh, I think that us having our kind of chat allows for more engagement and interaction. We try and talk about stuff that's in the news at the moment, or we try and introduce kind of comedy topical things. Last week we talked about on a chocolate digestive biscuit is the chocolate side, the top or the bottom. These are <laughs> important pressing things we need to talk about, but it allows people to have an opinion and kind of spark a conversation and debate in hospital. So I think it's really important for that. And a team of people go around the wards and they take requests from people to play on the radio show. Every evening between eight and 10, we have our request shows where we play the songs that people ask for. And it can really cheer people 
up. I mean, these are people who get really excited when they hear their name read out on the radio. It's like they get their five minutes of fame. So, you know, if I can help raise a smile and help make someone's hospital stay a little bit brighter, then I kind of feel like I've done my job, really. And those skills, uh, certainly in your speech and uh, language skills used in broadcasting is helping you somewhat with your new podcast, Celebrity Catch-Up. How did that come about? Yes. So um, I launched Celebrity Catch-Up a couple of weeks ago, and, and I always describe it as like a fun, unashamedly nostalgic podcast where I speak to much-loved TV, film or music stars from the 1980s to the early noughties. And we reminisce in the first half about... Um, whatever it was that caused their rise to fame. And in the second half, we go into what I call the latted zone, otherwise known as life after that thing I did, um, where we talk about what they've been up to since. The idea for this came from, I, I don't know about you, but I've seen an awful lot of Top of the Pops 1989 on BBC4 recently. <laughs> and, uh, and I think about three, four months ago, I was watching an episode and Martika was on um, singing Toy Soldiers. And I sat there thinking, huh, wonder what's happened to Martika. I wonder what she does now. So I kind of do, do the thing you normally do. You type it into Google, what happened to Martika? And then I kind of thought, actually, this would be a really good idea for a podcast. Find out what these people have been up to who were so big in their heyday. Um, but I don't want it to be just like another what happened to type podcast. The idea is that when I speak to these people, we find out about things that you can't just find out on Wikipedia and have people relate to the guest on a more human level. So they may be famous, but they've got lives too, filled with happiness, sadness, tragedy. Um, but also people are doing things that you totally wouldn't expect at all. That is like completely amazing. And that's the stuff that I kind of want to tease out of people. So the first episode we had Chesney Hawks. Last week was the second episode. And I had uh, Lee McDonald on the show who played Zamo in Grange Hill. And with him, we talked about the um, really awful car crash that he had that ended his boxing career and a lot of people probably think Zamo had a boxing career and it's like yes he did have a boxing career um and just how the awful story of how he was an Olympic hopeful and it was all taken away through one car crash which is really sad and he doesn't really talk about it often so to have him talk in that kind of more intimate personal way you can get on a podcast you know allows people to relate to him more than they would than if they were just reading it in a in a magazine for example and that's the beauty of podcasting is that you can take your time you're not bound by any regulations and you can kind of get to the meat of the matter a little bit more than, than on broadcast media. Exactly. And I mean, as an entertainment journalist, I'm used to interviewing celebrities at, at, at what's known as the press junket, where it's like a five minute slot. In reality, it's actually a three minute slot. You sit down, you ask usually the same questions all the time. You start off with like an easy opener. And then your your best question is usually the last one because they want to promote their film in, in between. And you just don't really have any time to get to what I like to call, you know, the meat and potatoes <laughs> that, that you want in your feature. And um, doing a podcast just allows you that much more time to build a rapport with people, get kind of more information out of them that you just couldn't get in a, in a five, 10 minute interview that you would normally get as a journalist. So definitely podcasting allows you to, I want to say, kind of feel more intimate with the person that you're speaking to. It just feels like a lot more private and friendly. It feels like it's just a conversation between two people and listeners just get to be part 
part of that conversation. I mean, you you mentioned uh, that you worked at the BBC for a long period of time. There must be skills that you're still using that you honed working there. Oh yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm still a journalist, but you know, as a multimedia journalist, I have so many so many things in my toolkit that allow me to to do both the hospital radio and the podcasting. So, you know, on radio I can write scripts, that kind of stuff. But while I'm learning the new systems, I'm able to offer additional knowledge where perhaps there may be gaps elsewhere. For example, we have a blog, but knowing how to best utilize that blog to um, write creative content that supports the radio station and attract new listeners and add extra value. Social media, for example, the best way to utilize social media and how to write engaging social media posts, you know, on the podcast, my skills allow me to know what makes a good story and know what engaging content looks like. And, you know, interviewing is a real skill to be able to lead the conversation where you want it to go and tease sometimes quite personal things out of people that, you know, who you've only just met. And you're thinking like, you know, I normally wouldn't tell people something so private or personal, but it, it's a real skill to be able to do that. You know, as I said, building a rapport in a really short space of time, it's something that it, it's, you know, it is a skill that is something that is learned over a period of time. On the practical side, I obviously have skills to be able to edit my audio and do the post-production side of it, mix it, master it. Um, the downside, I guess, is having worked at the BBC for so long, I, I know what good sounds like. And that's kind of made me a perfectionist. And so I I feel like I want to hit that mark every time and not settle for anything less. With the Zamo podcast that I put out last week, it went out at about half, well, I wanted it to go out at midday. And at half past nine, I just decided I wasn't happy with the audio at all. And I started again and it went out later than I wanted it to, but I wasn't, I wasn't happy with it. And I'm just that kind of person that I won't settle for anything less than what I think is good and, and best. And I guess there's kind of like a reputational aspect to that as well, of wanting what you put out to sound good. So that's, I guess, probably the uh, the sound, <laughs> the downside of that. But, you know, knowing how to write good show notes, you know, as I say, good social media posts to sell the episode, press releases to get media attention. You know, those are all things that I have the privilege of, of, of knowing now because of, you know, the training that I've had. Yeah. So outside of... All of this work that you're doing, voluntary and otherwise, um, what are you listening to on the radio? Because we all know that as someone in media, you kind of have to keep an eye on what's out there. I actually do most of my radio listening in the car now. <laughs> I think that's because that's 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 where I am. <laughs> I listen to a lot of absolute 80s and absolute 90s which is good research for my podcast at the moment I'll kind of like be listening for like, oh, I've not heard that song for ages and then I'll be thinking ah right said Fred Richard Fairbrass I should get him on the podcast he's got he must have a good story um so that's all quite helpful I guess my radio listening is kind of a bit like my music collection <laughs> where I've never been one to like like one particular artist or band and own all their stuff I've always been a compilations person so I flick quite a lot between lots of different places um, so there'll be a bit of Radio X in there. Radio 2 on a Saturday, I kind of find when when I'm driving to the in-laws, Radio 2 is kind of like a nice little thing to listen to on your drive down, listen to a bit of Graham Norton, that kind of stuff. I always find it as a, it, it, it feels like a two and a half hour drive goes by quicker when you're, when you're listening to other people talk. So yeah, that's why I listen to on the radio. You don't ever feel like going back in time somewhat and listening to Ian Collins on talk radio? <laughs> 
or does that make you nervous <laughs> no it's funny actually i am um, because i used to listen to uh, a lot of talk radio when i was at university and lbc as well and i guess it was kind of those things like i don't know i guess when you're at university you tend to not sleep very much so you're up in the small hours of the morning and that's where i did a lot of my talk radio listening i don't know if it was in an effort to try and help me fall asleep by listening to other people talk I don't know but I would always find myself too engaged in what was happening on the radio that I couldn't go to sleep so I was always ending up listening to it but no I, I, I don't phrase much into talk radio as a as I used to I think it's because podcasting has taken over that that whole of where speech radio used to have for me I now listen to podcasting in instead that's kind of like filled a natural hole for me well, there are so many podcasts out there now of various different genres. And if you're into a specific niche, no matter how random, there seems to be one for that niche. That's great. That just illustrates how, as a society, we are very eclectic and we are all different and we all have different tastes and stuff. But there is something for everyone. Well, there, there certainly is. And uh, if listeners would like to find Genevieve's new podcast, Celebrity Catch-Up, it's available on all good podcast providers. And I'd like to say thank you very much for appearing on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. This is Watching the Wireless. So right now on the Watching the Wireless podcast, I'm, I'm joined by two people involved in a fabulous new audio drama podcast called the Unpolished Little Gems podcast. Uh, thank you very much to Tracy and Tasman for joining us. Tell us, how did that podcast begin? Um, well, we'd started writing for um, theatre and we were both involved in a lot of new writing nights um, and that's how we met initially. Um, after lockdown happened, we realised we wouldn't be able to put on any more performances, um, so we thought how could we write short pieces that are going to translate into a different art form um, and that's why we decided to create the podcast. I like the the kind of monologue, dual log thing of it. Does it take very long to produce these things? Um, I think they depend. Some monologues you don't really want to mess around with um, and you just want a little track at the beginning and the end, in which case it's quite quick. Um, some of the dual logs, you might want to move around different things. We've done some sort of tricky editing, getting people walking into rooms, um, a few more examples. So it kind of really takes as long as you would like it to be, really. One thing I noticed, because I've listened to a couple of episodes or so, you deal with di quite tricky themes, don't you? Was that like a conscious thing? Like we're going to deal with stuff that perhaps is kind of pushing the envelope a little bit? Well, I don't know. Again, I think that probably comes from writing for um, theatre, actually. And the fact that initially, I think we were both writing quite um, confessional pieces, actually. Mm. And that there's something quite cathartic to that. And it, it just seems bizarrely that we seem to have gone a bit darker and darker. I'm not really sure <laughs> how, why this happened. Don't know. What do you think, Tracy? Uh, yeah, I think definitely writing for theatre, you want that kind of moment on stage of kind of startling people or shocking people. Mm. And so we, we've kind of looked to, to have that moment in, in ourselves. And yeah, the fact that it was for us, we had nobody to sit around and go, I don't know how this is going to be received. It just gives you an awful lot of freedom. I think we both presume that there's a huge amount of intelligence within our audience that are listening that they'll you know enjoy these sorts of things it is a fascinating listen i found it really interesting and you had a variety of different voices how did you go about sourcing those voices in terms of the actors um some we've worked with before 
um, Sam have done performances for us on new writing nights in the theatre. Others, Tracy's put out a lot of casting calls recently to find new actors and we're always looking for new people. Um, so if you want to get involved, then please just send us a note on our page or look out for casting calls. I mean, there is a huge community of audio drama. Were you aware of this beforehand? I don't think I was. I think we had both done little things for audio drama ourselves, but within the writing, you're sort of put to the side of all of that. You just write a script and send it to somebody. But then it's when you actually get it produced and you sort of open up this world to this really enthusiastic crowd of people that just really love doing it for the sake of it. I, we, we've sort of, that's been a really enjoyable part of it, hasn't it? Yeah, it's great. I think it's quite a welcoming community, actually. And it's mm. really exciting to see what other people are doing um, as well. That, that's a fun part. Mm. And given the situation, the, the unfortunate situation with theatre at the moment, do you have kind of ambitions to take this particular project further than, than uh, perhaps is normally that for a podcast, you know, maybe into broadcast or maybe even back onto the stage one day? I don't know if we know what the plans are for the future at the moment. We didn't have a plan for the future when we started. um it was just kind of give it a go so I think when times change at some point you know we will have to sort of decide what we want to do with it it's certainly a project that we absolutely love and are really committed to so I I could see us sort of finding a home for it somewhere Mm, I think we've sort of ended up enjoying it and the process of creating the podcast a lot more than we thought we would would I be right in saying that um so yeah so I definitely see it, it running for maybe a lot longer than we thought it would when we started out how how do you go about producing these things like is there like one person producing the entire thing or is it like a a team effort we produce an episode each so we we have one script each per person and then each person who's written that script is essentially the producer of it so that person will look after casting and will obviously speak to each other during that process and then we'll record we tend to sit together if we are recording unless it's being recorded remotely and then the person who's doing it will sit by themselves and edit their own uh, edit their own um, script. But then we will talk to each other throughout doing it. And then at the end, we decide the running order and put them together. What was the thinking behind having two scripts in in a single podcast? I think it's that it's fully collaborative, and we just thought there'd be quite a nice variety in, in voices and and in tone. Um, if people have two to listen to. And again, it's something that's not... Our podcasts tend to run to about 22 minutes, I think, 22, 23 minutes, which we thought was um, a nice time to stick to. And if we're adding another piece, then that's going to push it slightly longer. So I think we just thought that would be a good balance, really. So as a writer, I mean, how how are you coming up with with all these different stories? Because I assume everything is kind of off the top of your head or is it based on something? Well, for me, it's in all sorts of different ways, really. There might be aspects of something that's happened to me or it might be a story that I've heard about on the news or, or a person that I'd read about and thought, oh, that's interesting. Um, so so I, I don't know. I, there are just sort of all sorts of different ways to get um, inspiration for writing, really. Uh, yeah, I think I'm quite similar. I think some things that have been sort of quite lifted and then sort of turned into drama from my life or from people that I know quite well. And then some things, just things that I've thought about that I found quite interesting and then turned into a story. Uh, quite recently, I, I, I've watched a very moving programme of long lost families and that's inspired some things. So, um, um, yeah, I think they can come from anything and everywhere once you start looking. And especially as we, we have a, a weekly schedule right now, you're looking all the time for 
that could be something. I, I know that initially we were concerned or we we're just quite aware that we kept writing very female driven narratives and, and had a lot of women and I think we got a few episodes in and suddenly realized that we'd not actually used any male voices um, in this. so we sort of had to chat about that and I, I think we've become a bit more aware or conscious that it's quite it's quite interesting to reflect um, different people in different voices as well as people that we might feel sympathetic towards or that we could easily relate to um, and I, I do like to to try to write in different voices who are more um, thematically challenging or people that I might not necessarily like. We did a villains episode, which I really enjoyed writing a, a nasty character. That was a lot of fun. Of course, audio drama has become massive in the last few years. What are you both listening to other than your own production? I like the Twilight Zone. <laughs> you like the Twilight Zone? Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, I like the Paris Review podcast um we both wrote stuff for the ragged scratch podcast and i i think they do a really good job of um putting on a lot of different and interesting new writing um something i really discovered recently in lockdown i've been playing it again recently on bbc radio 4 is um um a 30 minute series um called cabin pressure uh it was made back in 2008 and it has been very 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 funny yeah that's one of their most popular um 30 minute shows i think mm -hmm. um certainly in radio 4's history and that there, there are so many mainstream and non-mainstream audio dramas out there now and i i find that really interesting do you think that um due to what's going on in, in the arts you say that you kind of came over from theater do you think that's going to become a regular thing i think currently i think currently for now and 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 moving forward into the future, possibly, yeah, it, it's entirely possible. I mean, I, I think there are, it's quite a different experience um, and there are different challenges um, with producing a piece of audio drama, um, but there are lots of different opportunities and it's made me much more aware of um, how I use sound in performance. Um, so that's something quite exciting that if I were now to write for theatre, I could sort of take that forward and think about that moving forward i really don't know if if we'll see more people moving from theater into audio drama or, or not what what do you think um well i think there is certainly benefits in doing an audio drama that you could put on really lovely say scratch lights and the audience don't come and then that that's it and nobody's seen it but with, with audio dramas we are still working out how to generate organic audiences and when they come we will have a back catalogue there and i think that's certainly appealing to people because the question of how to get an organic audience to, to, to view something it is kind of something that you're always thinking about. So that's definitely been an appeal for us that we will have the content when they come. Yes, I, I think also we've got a really nice sort of almost rep group of actors who we're using in a few different episodes and, and we're drawing on people to do um, a lot of different things for us now. And, and that's really nice. Mm. Yeah, that must be a challenge um, to do that because obviously when you're using remote actors technology doesn't always work um people scheduling conflicts there's lots of different challenges involved aren't there I, th I think we've been quite lucky with people though really actually certainly during the beginning a lot of people were very very available um now i find people are less so but um 
you know, or, or you quite often need from somebody to record a 10 minute piece is three quarters of an hour to get, you know, three good takes. So we yeah. we find a way. Um, we have had some challenges. Uh, I recall in one of Tasman's early ones, there was issues with sound. Mm. We managed to overcome that by having a piano play in the background that just kind of balanced that all out a little bit. So, yeah, there's definitely been challenges, but we, we're learning a lot from them about how to create a world in audio. Which isn't quite as easy as people like to think it is. It's extremely difficult to create that that world and that sense of space and, and those characters. And I can say that from the very few I've listened to, you, you're pretty much um, on the way there if you're not already there. I do wish you all the best with it. That's the Unpolished Little Gems podcast, available from Podbean, Spotify, and other great podcast providers. Thank you very much to Tasman and Tracy for appearing on the podcast today. Thank you. Thanks very much. No worries. been listening to watching the wireless a podcast about radio with me jamie dyer my guests in this episode were genevieve hassan and tasmin and tracy from the unpolished little gems podcast if you'd like to be a guest on a future edition whether you work in radio podcasting or audio drama either paid or voluntary whatever it may be get in contact with us by tweeting at watchwireless19 or jamiedyer89 you can also go onto facebook and like us on there it's watching the wireless very much look forward to hearing from you this has been a jamie dyer production see you on the next podcast bye bye for now